Amen. Amen. Let's thank the worship team. Round of applause for the worship team. Well, it is great to be here, finally to get here. Turn to the person on your right. You who are sitting next to the wall, do the best you can. Turn to the person on your right right now and say, you look good tonight. You look good. You look good tonight. Turn to the person on your left. Say to them, I wish I looked as good as you. I wish. I wish I looked as good as you. I want you to gently reach out and pat the person in front of you on the back and say, I'm so glad you are here this weekend. So glad you are here. Now turn around to the person behind you. Say to them, you look just like my mom. You look just like my mom. Good old mom. Good old mom. You look just like her. Just like her. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about your highest calling. Above anything else, what would Jesus Christ be calling you to do? And I'm going to take you to a passage in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22, and starting with verse 34, and it's going to be up on the screen for you. It says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, and tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Why did he ask Jesus that question? Because he wanted to know the answer? No. He asked Jesus that question because he thought this is going to make Jesus look stupid. I mean, who can come up with an answer? I mean, come on. All the commandments, all through the law. How is Jesus ever going to answer this? And look at what he says. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Take the Ten Commandments, take the book of Leviticus, take the prophets, take it all, and it hangs on these two commandments. If you can do this well, loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving others, you are well on your way to being who God has created you to be. But why is that so hard? Why is that so difficult? On the surface, it sounds pretty easy, but in reality, to practice it, it's pretty tough. Could I ask you tonight, right now, this moment, what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart right now? And here's my concern. Here's the condition of some of our hearts. Our hearts have become so hard. And you want to know how you can tell if your heart is hardening? There's something you say, and you may not use these exact words. You may not say this out loud, but you're saying something like this. <sighs> yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. So what if we're not getting along? 
I don't care. So what if I'm making bad choices? I don't care. So what if I've got a poor attitude? I don't care. So what if it's hurting you? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then you know what that leads to? That just leads to a bad attitude. And pretty soon for some of you, everything becomes stupid. This is stupid, man. The worship was stupid. The speaker is stupid. The rain is stupid. Camp is stupid. Dinner was stupid. My room is stupid. The bed is stupid. My car is stupid. The dog, well, the dog's okay. But everything else, everything else is stupid. If that's you and you want to know how you can tell if it's you, if you look at a family member right now, they're sitting there going. (laughs) So if that's you, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow when you head down the mountain and you get to your town, I want you to go to your local supermarket. I want you to walk in and I want you to buy for yourself a piece of Limburger cheese. How many of you have never smelled Limburger cheese? Put up your hands. You've never smelled it. Wow, you are in for a treat. It's kind of a combination of the essence of skunk and vomit. So take the cheese outside. We don't want to offend anybody. Unwrap it. Take the wrapper, throw it in the garbage. You will notice the cheese has a crust on it. And it's gooey on the inside. So just stick your finger through the crust and pull out a big glob of Limburger cheese. And take the big glob of Limburger cheese and just do this. Smear it under your nose. Back and forth, back and forth. You men with mustaches, even better. Back and forth. Then I want you to pick up a rose and I want you to smell it. And the rose is going to stink. Then I want you to find your favorite perfume, your favorite cologne, and I want you to smell it. Whoa. That's going to stink. Then get your favorite food and smell it. Man, that'll stink too. You know why? Because you've got Limburger cheese under your nose. Could I suggest tonight what is stupid is not everything that's going on around you, but what is stupid is that you have got a stinking attitude. And that stinking attitude clouds your view of everything else. And you know what that's an indication of? That's an indication of a hard heart. And what do you need? You need a heart transplant. And how do you get that? You get that by God. And you pray. And you just say something like this. Lord, would you take from me my heart of stone? And would you give me a heart of flesh? And just that fast, he'll do it. And why is that important? That's important so that you can begin to care again. So that you can care about yourself, so you can care about others, so you can care about God, because you can care about future and choices and direction and all of that. 
Look, it's nothing like a rainy day to just bring out stuff inside of us, isn't it? We tend to get irritated. We begin to get just kind of upset. I mean, if we're a mom and a dad, we've got little kids and we're a camp and we can't run around and play. We're stuck in the room with the little kids. And it just gets irritating. And I know some of you have come into this meeting tonight and you're like, I don't even know if I want to be here. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of the rain. I'm sick of the day. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't even know who this speaker guy is. He kind of looks like a combination of droopy dog Fred Flintstone and the cowardly lion on the Wizard of Oz. I don't even, I don't even know. So I get all that. I get all that. But here's what I'd like to invite you to do. For just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head, and I'm going to ask you to pray silently. I'm not going to pray for you. And if you are willing, would you pray something like this? Lord Jesus, take my hard heart, take my bad attitude, and give me a heart of flesh. I want to hear from you tonight. Do you know what I believe? I believe if you are willing to do that, this evening will take on a whole different perspective. And I believe you will actually be able to experience the living God speaking to you. So let's bow together in prayer. You just do that silently. Thank you that you hear our prayers, and we just pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What really identifies us as a disciple of Jesus? What is it that the world can see in us that's going to begin to say to them, wow, there is a God, and there is a God who is real, and this is a disciple of that God? Is it good theology? I'm here to tell you no, but good theology is important. Is it going to church? I'm going to tell you no, but going to church is important. Is it giving money? No, but giving money is important. What is it that identifies us as a disciple of Christ? Well, if you look at the book of John, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. John 13, verses 34 and 35, this is Jesus speaking. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So that's my call to you tonight, that you love one another. And I'm just going to remind you of four characteristics of love. And then I'm going to call you to practice these four characteristics for the rest of tonight, for tomorrow, and beyond. Number one, I want to remind you that love is tough. Love is tough. And today we have way, way too wimpy of a love. So... Can I ask you your first name? 
Maria, Maria, if I said to you, Maria, thank you so much for sitting in the front, and that is so impressive, and Maria, I just want you to know that I care about you, and I want you to know I love you. And Mariah looks back at me and says to me, Greg, I love you too. Now, you know what? That's nice. That's special. I love Mariah. Mariah loves me. You're probably sitting by some people you care about right now. Turn to the people sitting with you right now and just say to them, I care about you. I care about you. Now, that's nice. I love Mariah, Mariah loves me, and look, we want to continue to have those kind of relationships. But let me remind you what God says to us in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. If you love Mariah, who loves you, what credit is that to you? Why, even sinners love those who love them, and if you do good, To those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Why even sinners do that? See, I believe if you're in a public school, you're right here, high school, middle school, I believe I could go to your school and I could find people at that school who are loving people that are loving them back. Okay? So that's nice. Continue to love those who love you, but that's not really the mark of a Christian. So... If I would go to, um, right here, this woman in the red, right on the end. And your first name is? Braylon? Okay. If I said, Braylon, I love that red top, and you are looking so good. And Braylon, I just want you to know I love you. And she says to me, wow, Greg, you make me sick. (laughs) Wow. Now, how am I going to respond to that? In the past, I would have said, fine, you don't love me, I don't love you, I don't need you. I have her right there, yeah, she's my friend. And what have we done? We have rejected those who have not responded to us positively. But let me take you back to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6 and verses 27 and 28. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. God is calling us to love the unlovely. And that is supernatural. And in and of yourself, are you going to be able to do that? Absolutely not. You're going to need to be filled, empowered, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to have to say, Holy Spirit, love these people through me. And that's exactly what he'll do. So I graduated from Bethel University, beautiful, tropical St. Paul, Minnesota. And my first job is in Wheaton, Illinois. I am the men's caseworker working with delinquent, emotionally disturbed teenagers. So these students would come in for an intake interview. And after the intake interview, I would usually go over to them, put my arm around them, I'd go, hey, welcome to the unit. And a lot of times they'd be like, hey, get away from me. And you know what? If I was going to respond to them, 
the way the world has always responded to them, I would have said to them, hey, that's no problem. I'll stay away from you. You stay away from me. But God calls us to love with the tough love. And he calls us to love the unlovely. So I'd see this guy again. I'd walk over to him and I'd say, hey, brother, good to see you. And he'd be like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Wait a little while longer. I'd go up to him and I'd go, hey, man, how are you doing? He'd be like, yeah, what do you care? And finally, after a week, after a month, after six months, I would walk over to this guy and I'd put my arm around him and I'd say, hey, brother, how you doing? And he would say, hey, okay, man, how are you doing? And I had a poster that hung in my office, and I would read it every single day. And the poster said this, love can break the hardest heart so faith can grow. What can stand up to God's love if it's shown with determination, with consistency? Nothing. Nothing. God is all about pulling down strongholds. God is all about shattering walls. God is all about drawing individuals to himself. Number one, I want you to have a tough love. I want you to love the unlovely. God calls us to love others. He never promises others are going to love us back. Secondly, number two, Love is vulnerable. I don't know what kind of dad you had. I had a great dad. When I would fly home from college and I would land at San Francisco International Airport, my mom and dad would be waiting for me. And when my dad would see me, a great big smile would come over his face. And he'd come up to me and he'd throw his arms around me and he'd give me a big hug and he would say, Greg, I love you. And I would say, Dad... I love you too. And is that weakness? I want to suggest to you that's just the opposite of weakness. That is tremendous strength. I have four children now. They're all married. Justin, Julia, Kelly, and Garrett. And I have said to my four children, you will never reach the age where your father will no longer hug you or kiss you or tell you that he loves you, you will never reach that age. When I go to see my oldest son and I walk into the house and he and his wife and the children, and even though I may hear those little voices, Grandpa, 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 first thing I do is I go over to my son and I hug him. And I say, Justin, I love you. I say, you are a great dad. You are a great husband. And he'll say, Dad, I love you. How many of you longed for that? How many of you longed for a father who would show that kind of affection and that kind of care? And look, our families, our parents do some things really well and they do other things poorly. And let me tell you what I've said to my four children. I've said to them, I want you to watch me, and I want you to receive my strengths, and I want you to reject my weaknesses. But if I could speak a moment to all the dads in the room. I understand some of you would say to me, well, look, uh, 
my uh, g- grandfather never, uh, never told my dad that he loved him, and my dad never told me that he loved me, so, so there you go. So I say, then, who's going to finally break that generational dysfunction? You break that generational dysfunction. And look, don't let the enemy lie to you. It's never too late. I'm going to make a statement now, and I'll probably make it one or two more times tonight. And it's this. Your yesterdays do not determine your tomorrows. You can be different because Jesus will give you the power to be different. So dads, tell your children, I love you. Moms, tell your children, I love you. Kids, tell your parents, I love you. You ready for this? This is even harder. Take a deep breath. Brothers, tell your sisters that you love them. I heard applause. I bet that was not from a brother, okay? Sisters, tell your brothers you love them. Brothers, tell your brothers. Sisters, tell your sisters. You need to be vulnerable. You need to be open. You need to be about loving one another. You got to let down the masks, you've got to lower the walls, and you've got to be willing to risk. Number three, love is a commitment. Love is something you choose to do whether you feel like it or not. Look, if I'm going to wait for a feeling before I love certain people, there will be certain people I will never love. There are some of you here in this room right now that if I actually showed up on time and had an opportunity to spend the day with you today and being around, we'd totally connect. We would totally connect. But there are others of you that I would not connect with. We're just on different wavelengths. You're just weird, okay? We're just on different wavelengths. And let me tell you, that's okay. That does not negate my responsibility to love you. That does not change that at all. Love is a commitment. I want to talk to all the uh, teenagers in here. I want to talk to all of you who are younger than teenagers in here. I want to say to you, it is okay for you to have best friends but not at the exclusion of others. I am so sorry, I'm so sorry, I am so sick of the little cliques, the little wolf packs, the little cliques that go something like this. We all hang out at camp together. We all eat together. We all go free time together. If we're girls, we all go to the bathroom together. And then an outsider comes along. Ha 
Can I tell you? That should not be. That should not be. You need to make sure you are including others. Others need to be a part. You need to be reaching out. Exclusive is never okay. Exclusive is never okay to reject certain people because you don't think they dress the way you think they ought to dress or they don't look the way you think they ought to look or they're not into whatever you're into. You know, actually, variety is good. For you to hang with people that have different interests in you, that really is a good thing. So love is a commitment. You just decide to love. Turn to the person on your right, say to them, I'm going to decide to love you. Turn to the person on your left, say, I'm going to decide to love you. And that is the way it should be. You know, we get so wrapped up with loving the world. And look, I'm all about loving the world. My youngest son and his family were missionaries in the Ukraine when Russia invaded. So I'm all about loving the world. I'm all about going into all the world and preaching the gospel, absolutely. But don't forget, Jesus has called you to love individuals. He's called you to love the person to your right. He's called you to love the person to your left. This will be a little harder. He's called you to love the person behind you. Look, see who's behind you. Look at them. Look at them. You need to love this person. Jesus is calling you to love the person in front of you. And by the way, for all of you in the front row, that's me. (laughs) Jesus is calling you to be about loving individuals and deciding that is what you're going to do. And then lastly, number four, don't wait to love. Don't wait to love. Don't wait to love Jesus. Don't wait to love others. So, uh, right by Sunny Ridge, there was a beautiful private country club. So one day, I went over to the country club. I laugh about this now. I asked to see the manager. They take me in to see the manager. I say, hi, my name's Greg Speck. I'm one of the caseworkers at Sunny Ridge. I am wondering, what is the possibility that I could bring a group of delinquent, emotionally disturbed teenagers and to play your golf course for free? Thinking he would say to me, get out of here. But he says to me, all right, I'll call you. So some time goes by, there's a phone call for me, I pick it up, it's a manager and he says this to me, if you're the first ones on the tee Monday mornings, you can play our course for free. I am like, whoa, thank you so much. So we get these teenagers up in the middle of the night. We'd be standing on the first tee in the dark as the sun began to rise And we get to play this course for free. So we're like 
eighth, ninth hole, and we're playing, and we're having a good time, and I see this golf cart. It's making its way around to the different foursomes, and it comes up to us. And the guy in the golf cart says, is there anybody here named Greg Speck? I go, yeah. I go, that's me. He said, you have an emergency phone call. You need to call home right now. I said, wow, thank you. So I turned to one of the house parents. We had several foursomes going on. And I said, you're in charge. So this will come as a shock. Students, take a deep breath again. Here we go. There were no cell phones. There were no cell phones. Yes, dinosaurs were still roaming here on the earth. There were no cell phones. So I had to go find a phone. And as I was going to find a phone, I knew my grandmother had died. Do you know how sometimes you just know that? She was in her mid-90s. She'd been sick. I just knew she was gone. So I get to a phone, and I call home. And my grandmother answered the phone. I'm like, whoa, this is long distance. Whoa. I say, hi, Graham. This is Greg. And she starts to cry. I go, Grandma, what's going on? She can't say anything. She's just crying. And I say to her, Grandma, you need to tell me what's happening. She can't say anything. I'm finally like, Grandma, speak to me. And I hear the phone get laid down and footsteps out of the kitchen. And it's my mother. And I go, Mom, what's going on? She says to me, Greg, your father's gone. I said, what do you mean dad's gone? And she explained to me that my father had had a massive heart attack in his sleep. So massive, it didn't even wake my mother up. And do you know that when I boarded that plane at Chicago O'Hare to fly to San Francisco, you know what I could say honestly? I could say, God, thank you. Thank you that my dad and I had such a great relationship. Thank you that I told him I loved him. Thank you that he had told me that he loved me. Lord, thank you. How sad to have to get on that plane and say, wow, if only. If only we'd have gotten along. If only I hadn't been a pain. If only, if only, if only. And it's too late. Here's kind of a good statement to live by. Don't just give flowers to dead people. You go to somebody's funeral, you bring them flowers. That is a wonderful gesture. Continue to do that. But don't just give them to dead people. Give flowers to people who are alive. Appreciate now, love now, care now, because you may not have tomorrow to love. So... I'm going to do something kind of hard right now. And is it okay if I do something hard? Sure. I leave tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> so in just a second, I'm going to have you bow your head. And I'm going to pray for us. Not right now, but in a second. 
And then when I'm done praying, I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet. I don't want you to leave the auditorium, please. But I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to go to whoever you need to go to in this auditorium, whether it's within your family or outside of your family. And when I say this, there's not going to be a question of whether you need to do this or not because the Holy Spirit's just going to zing you in the heart. I want you to walk up to whoever you need to walk up to and say this to them. I apologize to you. I apologize for my stinking attitude. I apologize for some of the words that came out of my mouth. I apologize for how I treated you. I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Some of you need to do that. Some husbands need to apologize to wives, wives to husbands, Kids to parents, parents to kids. Some of you need to apologize to others here in this room. I want you to do that. I want you to be strong and courageous, and I want you to do that. And then secondly, I invite you to go to as many people as you want to go to and walk up to them and look at them without any sarcasm at all. Say to them, hey, I just want you to know I appreciate you. Or I just want you to know I thank God for you. Or say to them, I just want you to know I love you. And you know what you're going to do? Tonight, you're going to function the way the body of Christ is supposed to function. You're going to be about making right your relationships and expressing your love to one another. And then maybe you want to give them a high five or maybe you want to pound them or maybe you even want to just give them a little hug. I would encourage you to express that love to everybody in your family. Everybody in your family and then feel free to branch out from there. And after you've done that for a few moments, I'm going to call you back to your seats. Okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can talk about stuff that matters. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart, not just to love you, but to love others. And so God, help us now to lower the walls and take off the mass. Help us do the right thing to be strong and courageous. And I pray, God, that you would work through us tonight in special and powerful ways. And I just pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up right where you are. The next few moments are yours. Ready? Go. Go, go, go. Thank you for your openness to the spirit of the living God, and I pray his blessing on your life right now. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Feel free to say to the family next to you, I appreciate you, care about you, thankful you're here.
All right, good job. Go ahead and grab a seat right there. I just want to remind you the four characteristics of love I went through are the same characteristics that God uses to love us. He loves us with a tough love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, so God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son, so that if you believe in him, you will not die, but live forever. And God knew that even though he chose to love you, that you would choose not to love him. That's a tough love. God's love is vulnerable. He's opened himself up to you. I will meet your needs. I will love you like no one else will love you. I will be your God. I will take care of you. His love for us is a commitment. It's a covenant relationship, not a contract relationship. He doesn't love you because, because you perform a certain way. When my children were first born and they handed them to me, I fell in love with them. And what could my children do for me? They can't do anything for me. They eat, they sleep, they cry, they poop, that's it. But I didn't love them because they could do something for me. I love them because they were my children. And he doesn't wait to love you. He loves you now. And you need to understand that you've sinned. And you need to know that Jesus died for that sin. And then you need to be willing to surrender your life to him. I can't think of a better time than right now, New Year's Eve, for you to get your relationship right with Christ. And so let's bow together, and one more time we're going to pray. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you've never surrendered to him, but you'd like to, I'd love to introduce you to my best friend. You just pray after me silently right now. Dear Jesus, I confess to you that I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made some really poor choices. I've sinned. I'm sorry for those sins. I ask you to forgive me of those sins. Right now, I open my life to you. Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life and take control of my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you that you are in my life. And Jesus, I want you to know that I love you. Now, while your heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I would just like you to tell somebody. Tell a family member. Tell a friend. Come tell me. And then secondly, you're already a Christian, but you have wandered away like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. I'd like to call you home. And I invite you to pray after me silently. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I thought the world could satisfy me more than you. I'm sorry that I chose sin. 
I'm sorry I wandered away. But Lord Jesus, I am coming home right now. Please cleanse me of my sin. Fill me, control me. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you for loving me. And Jesus, I want to tell you that I love you. Lord, thank you for what you have done this evening. And this was not because of music or videos or magic or speaking or any kind of music. This is because of you and your spirit. And to you and you alone belong the honor and the glory and the praise, both now and forevermore. When you're dismissed from here, Jason's coming up right now. I'm going to stick around here in the front. And if you'd like to talk to me at all, I'd love to talk to you. And I'll just throw this out. If you'd like a dad hug, and maybe your dad's gone, I'd be honored to give you a dad hug. Whether you're in here and you're nine years old or whether you're in here and you're 98 years old, I'd be happy to give you a dad hug. And I will tell you what a father ought to be saying to you. And I will tell you what your heavenly father thinks about you.